that we began last week. Tonight is the second night of our study, and, and uh, although I'll look at different verses and move through Genesis 1, we're not going to get very far. We're still in Genesis 1, chapter 1, so open your Bibles with me there. And as you do, I want to show you a couple announcements uh, real quick. Uh, tonight, uh, Ashley made brownies, so if you're in a coffee and brownies, you can go to the coffee shop and hang out. Uh, last week, it was full. A lot of people had a lot of fun. Also, the Servants Conference is coming up. The Servants Conference is... Oh, well, there's the Servants Conference. It's over at Calvary Chapel Rancho Cucamonga, and there are Calvary chapels from all around that will be a part, partaking in that. Um, just fellowship, uh, three teachers. I'm one of them. Um, it, Mike McIntosh is going to be teaching as well. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's free. It's for servants. Whether you're a servant or not, you should go and, and be a part of that. You can be encouraged by that. And then finally today, I'm going to break this. This will come out Sunday, but the women's, or not the women's, but the a Valentine's. We're going to do a Valentine's banquet. We've done that the last few years. Uh, this time we're going to go back over to the uh, hotel. It's the uh, Hilton Hotel in Riverside, downtown Riverside. Really beautiful ballroom that we'll be in. Um, uh, the cost, $65, includes dinner. And we'll be together with the fellowship of, of believers from the church here. It's a married couples uh, only. And we're just going to get together and just have a great time and encourage one another. So uh, tickets will go on sale. It's not really tickets. You just pay for it, and, and you can be a part of that. But you need to buy those early. I think we're going to sell out. We, only, we can only get 50 couples in the room. So uh, you might want to be ready and be the first in line this Sunday. I think that's going to sell out in a couple of weeks. So I just wanted you to know, Wednesday night, sometimes you feel you're ripped off. But uh, you, you got it here. You heard it here first. Okay, so we're, we're on uh, Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 1. And again, we're in this. It, this is really epic. I hear the term awesome and epic a lot. Nothing is as awesome and nothing is as epic as a study in the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings or the book of origins. And that's what we are in. So with your Bible in your lap, open to Genesis 1. Let's ask God's blessing on his word tonight. Father, thank you for the word. We're so grateful and humbled that you would consider us, that you would reveal to us this beautiful history that is revealed in no other literature, the creation. It's, it's in no other book, but you have revealed the creation of the universe, the world and all that's in it, the beauty we saw depicted in these wonderful a video presentation tonight. Lord, you've created it all, and you've given us this account here in Genesis chapter 1. We're grateful, and I pray, Lord, that you would open our hearts and minds to the wonder of your creation. I pray, Lord, that if any of us have become bored, old, stagnant in our, our love relationship with you, that you would, first of all, forgive us, but secondly, Lord, replace in our hearts a new wonder a wonder in worship, a wonder at your glory, a wonder at your creation. Lord, that we would bow down in wonder and awe of all that you are and all that you've done. Lord, I, I thank you for your creative beauty. I thank you for the world that we live in. Thank you for breath, Lord, and life that you've given to us. So we approach this word, Lord, as the living word, as the truth. I pray that you would teach us as we open it and study it tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. All God's people said... Amen. Now, remember, as I introduced the book last week, um, my approach to this book is not scientific, although tonight I'm going to bring some scientists' sayings or quotes to our studies just to give more clarity and more understanding. But my approach is theological, and my approach is, as I take the Scriptures literally, I believe, as I pointed out last week in the verbal, plenary, inspirational view of the scriptures, verbal, the words, plenary, all of them, not some of them, not the ones I choose, not the ones that I read, but all of the words of scripture from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22 at the end, I, I believe in all of it. And so um, you're going to hear that tonight as we look at the scriptures and God's description of creation. So that's really my, my view. And I believe that God in the Bible 
speaks to you and I, speaks to men, to women, to children, to whoever opens scriptures comprehensively. Comprehensively. What does that mean? It means all of it, all the scriptures. He speaks to us in every area of our lives. And again, that's what makes the study of the book of Genesis so exciting. So I believe that through observable creation, we can see that there's a God, there's a creator, there's design. And that's why I showed that video. Last week, I ended the study with that. And I know you saw that and, and were wowed by that as I was. And so I wanted to start uh, today. We'll, we'll, I'll probably give it a rest and then show it again. But I, I just love that. I love the, the creation and all those pictures and all. But we see that there's a God, a designer, because of the design that we see in nature. It's observable. It's clearly seen. Romans tells us the things that we see indicate that there's a loving and wonderful, powerful, intelligent designer, a powerful, intelligent designer. Because when you look at the heavens and all the things, all the plant life, the cycle of life, the mountains, the valleys, and all the creation, you see design everywhere. If there's design, there's got to be a designer. So I make a big deal about that because what you believe, listen, what you believe about creation or this specific Genesis account will determine how you view the entirety of the Bible. Do, do you understand what I'm saying by that? If you begin at this first verse or the first couple of verses, if you start to add philosophy, man's twisted, distorted philosophy to this point, if you start sticking it in there, if you start questioning right here, then you have to question all, every other verse. In fact, you'll start to question your salvation because if you can question the designer and creation, then you can question the one that regenerates you and how he does it and what he does and how far it affects you. You'll question everything in the scriptures. So again, I think it's paramount. I think it's important. I think it's, it's the, the, the utter truth that you and I look at this and see it as God intended it to be seen, we read it literally, we take it literally, and that's how I look at it. Now, you might say, well, gee, there's different opinions, different views. I, I believe that. There are. I've read them. Some of them are in this book. This is my favorite book on the book of Genesis. This is called The Genesis Record. It's written by a scientist, Henry Morris. He's actually a scientist slash theologian. So I have many books on Genesis. This is my favorite. It's rather thick, it's comprehensive, but it's, it's more scientific than I'll even get tonight. But there's great quotes, there's great information. And I remember tonight, too, that while I was, or today while I was doing the study, about 15 years ago, at this pulpit right here, we had one of the foremost scientists living at that time, Dr. A.E. Wildersmith was here. Have you ever, anybody ever heard of A.E. Wildersmith? Okay, he's written a lot of books. Some of you saw him. Remember seeing him up here? 89. I, I drove him. I went to Costa Mesa, picked him up. He was at, at uh, Big Calvary down there. I picked him up, brought him here on a Wednesday night, helped him up the steps. It took like several minutes. When he, got, he sat down in a chair, and he taught, and it was just awesome because he has four earned doctorates in pharmacology and biology. The guys, look him up. Put his name, A.E. Wildersmith. Look him up. Google him tonight. Go home and look. The guy in World War II, when they were doing, in World War I and World War II, he was a scientist in Britain. And they were, when they were um, using mustard gas and different gases on, on people, he was the one that came out and helped design, not the face mask, but, but alternate forms of medicine to counteract some of the gases that the British soldiers would uh, breathe or be exposed to. And not only that, but he, he talked about, when he was here, he talked more about creation and, and, and what some of the things we're going to... I just remember that 15 years ago. But you can get his book, too. Very, very good. And there's other sources. I'll mention them as we go in our, our study. So it's not just me and looking at Scripture. I'm using other sources. I've got other information. If you want more of that, I can give that to you uh, after the study. Now, here's one of the verses you saw in that video real quick behind me. Psalm 19, verses 1 and 2. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. 
Day unto day utters a speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. So the heavens and the universe speak to us. Do you see that there? The heavens and the earth speak to us. What are they saying? There's a God, and he's designed the world that we see. That's what the heavens are saying to you and I. They they speak to us, and night unto night they reveal knowledge. Nighttime, you look at the stars, and you go, wow, deep, far, rich, beyond, awesome, epic. God is more than, he's bigger, he's more, I mean, that's what you think. When you look at the stars in the heavens or look at the vast ocean, those are the things you get, Psalm 19, 1 and 2. The natural world reveals the incredible signs of design. And if there's a design, again, there's a designer. So we see all of those wonderful things. And what I'm saying to you and purporting to you tonight is you either believe that, you believe that God created and that the Genesis account is true. You either believe that or you believe evolution. There's really only two ways to believe. You either believe that God created all that there is or you believe that it all happened by chance, without cause, that it was random. Do you get my point? There's only really two ways. Think, if you think a little bit about it, there's two ways to believe. Either you believe it was all created by design or it just, you know, just happened. It's all random. How many of you believe it's random? I mean, think about that. I always heard the illustration, and I heard this. Pastor Chuck said this 30 years ago. If you take the wristwatch, and now it's, it's phone. Let's take our iPhone, and let's just take it all apart down to its bare, raw components. Take them apart, put them in a shoebox, and then start shaking the box. How long will I have to shake the box before it becomes an iPhone that's operational? How long? Do you, do you understand what? We're talking random. We're talking universe, amoeba, virus, biology, mountains, stars in the heavens, galaxies that are bigger than the one we're living in. How long would you have to just shake things up, blow things up, add power to matter? And then where did it come from? These questions, I believe, are answered, and we have to look at the verse, and we have to believe what it says. And I don't think you have to even believe seriously in this regard, just by faith. I'm just going to take it by blind faith. No, God tells us. This is a historical account. He tells us what happens. But you either believe that God created or you believe in chance or without cause or randomness. There's no other option. So again, I believe that Genesis 1, from verse 1 till Genesis 2, verse 2, That's the whole creation account. It's accurate. And here's an interesting thought. It's an eyewitness account. This is an eyewitness account. It was given by God to Moses. Moses just wrote it down. But God saw it all. And he describes exactly what you and I are to know. We're not to know it more or less. He's given us what he wants us to know. Genesis 1.1 gives us that general broad account of creation, covering everything. Look at with me, Genesis 1. I'll put it on the screen, but it's just right there in front of you. In the beginning, God created heavens and the earth. Now, last week I gave you the Hebrew words, remember? I've written them phonetically. You wouldn't be able to pronounce them if they were in Hebrew. So this is how you say it phonetically. Reshith Elohim Bara. That's... Uh, in the beginning, Reshith, God, Elohim. Remember, Elohim is not just a singular form. It's a what? Plural form. And it includes, I believe, the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Elohim, it's a plural form of the name God. And then the word bara, he created the heavens and the earth. Now, you either believe that or you don't. You believe God's word is true and that he did create everything, or, again, you're left with randomness, chance, or coincidence. And that's really the the debate, isn't it? Isn't that the debate? Isn't that what we've been hearing for year after year after year? The debate comes down to you either believe in the Bible or you don't. So this first book of the Bible, it confirms, it affirms, it declares, it's a statement of the existence of the universe, and everything that's in it is a product of God's creative force. Everything. Everything that we see. 
This verse tells us that God alone created everything from the largest star to the smallest bacterial microbe. That's what we're talking about, not just people, plants, and animals. Everything. You have to really get that through your your noggin there as as you read the scriptures. Get that in your soul, in your heart. Genesis 1.1. It includes everything. And it includes not only plant life and matter, it, it includes all the laws of physics in the universe. It, it includes gravity. It includes electromagnetic of the, of the planet, you know, all the electromagnetic forces around the planet. It includes all the laws of, of nature. It was all created by God. God, who has eternally existed, created everything. That's what the Scripture tells us. And this is the eyewitness account of that. And the Hebrew text is plain and clear. Now listen to this. This is an allegory. When you read the Scripture, it's written in different ways. There's different forms of Scripture. So when you come to the Scripture to interpret it, you need to understand there's poetic books like Song of Solomon. There's poetic books like the Psalms. There's didactic books in the New Testament where we can derive teaching about what the church is, who the Christian is. Ephesians is a didactic book. There's historical books like, in the, like the book of Acts. Kind of hard to take every verse out of the book of Acts and apply it to every situation. But we can read it as a history. This is a Hebrew this is written in the Hebrew, and it's an eyewitness account. It's very plain. It's not allegory. It's history straight from God given to Moses. Moses wrote it down. So I love this. I, I, I see it as accurate. I see it as complete. Rashith Elohim bara. Bara is the unique word. I explained this last week, but again, I think it's important. It means... It means that the eternal triune God of the universe brought everything into existence, everything into existence, everything which were not in existence prior to God. Matter, laws, everything. In other words, nothing existed before God created it. But God existed before creation. You go, wow, that's heavy. It is heavy, but that's what the Scriptures teach, that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have always existed. They're eternal. That's what the Scriptures teach, and that God created everything that we have. Now, the, that, that word there, bara, that's an interesting word. In the Latin, it was translated ex nihilo. Ex nihilo, you probably heard of that. Ex nihilo is a Latin word that means out of nothing. So God created all matter, everything that we have, out of nothing. God didn't start with matter. God started with nothing. And this is another important point for us to understand. There was no pre-existing material. Now, let me show you a couple of verses. This is taught universally throughout the Scripture, but I'm going to prove this with the Scripture. Notice this one, Hebrews 3. Hebrews 3, verse, or 11, pardon me, verse 3. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed, listen how they were framed, by the word of God. You get that? We talked about that before. We're going to look at that a little bit more in depth. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. There's proof that the fact that God created from nothing, ex nihilo. That's what that means. So, again, everything we see in the universe was not made from something else. Everything in the universe was ex nihilo, without pre-existing material. Now, stay with me here. Everything you see, your body, the chair you're sitting in, the building that we're in, the street you drive, drove to church on tonight, the mountains that you see as you drive around, all of those things, the solar system, everything, the sun, Everything you can't see because it's too small, amoebas and viruses and bacteria and those kind of things, microbes, all of it, it all came into existence instantaneously out of nothing. That's what the Scripture teaches. Did you know that? Now, I think we need to think deeply about that. We come to the Scripture and we read, in the beginning of God created the earth and we drink our coffee without formless and void, darkness over the face, and we just read it and we don't really consider those things. But that is what that verse is teaching us. 
And from nothing, God created everything, from the smallest to the largest. It didn't come from things that were. It came from nothing. So you say, now you're, you're looking at me like, wait a minute. Wait, now, now how could that happen? I mean, I mean seriously, how, how could this really happen? That's a good question. Here's my question to you, and it's answered in this verse. How did God create? Or uh, put another way, what was God's method? How did he create? And as I mentioned last week, you should know this, he spoke. The answer is he spoke. How did God create? He spoke it. Now, focus on the scripture. Look at verse 3. I'm going to do this real quick, so get your Bible out and, and follow me. Verse 3, then God said, let there be light, and there was. Verse 6, then God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. Verse 9, then God said, let the waters under the heavens gather together in one place and let the dry land appear. Verse 11, then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, herb, yields, fruit, fruit trees, all the seeds and all that. Verse 14, then God said, let there be lights. Verse 20, then God said, let there be waters abound with abundance of living. Verse 24, then God said, let the earth bring forth a living creature according to its kind, cattle, creeping thing, beast of the earth, and according to its kind, and it was so. Verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image. So let me ask you the question. As you come to the scriptures, come to the scriptures believing that they're true, the question is, how did God create? And the answer is, he spoke, he said, he spoke it. That's what the scriptures teach. That's what I believe. Do you believe that? If you start here, if you start here, you'll, as you move through the Bible, as you get to the New Testament, as you see the blood sacrifice of Christ, as you see that he died for your sins, that he's blessed you beyond all belief with the spiritual blessings that you have, Ephesians chapter 1, you'll believe it. You'll, you'll fly high. You'll be excited. You'll, you'll be able to walk right through the valley of fire. You'll handle trials and tribulations because you know what God says is true. But if you start chipping away and say, oh, I don't think God really said, we're going to get there in a couple of weeks. And Satan's going to come to Eve, and he's going to say, did God really say? Remember? Wow. Interesting. You and I need to believe what God said, and then we need to live according to what God said. Otherwise, if you begin and say, well, I am not really sure. I don't, you know, I'm gonna, I'll get into, I don't want to spill the beans here. Got some real exciting things to share, you, share with you. So again, God spoke it all into existence out of nothing ex nihilo. Again, here's the verse. Notice it behind me, Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Here it is. Reshith Elohim bara. That's something that you should learn. You should actually learn that and have that in your mind. Not so you can, you know, wow somebody with your Hebrew, but, but it'll help you. It'll give you depth. It'll help you understand. I, I'm going to Israel, so I'll probably say that on the bus somewhere just to I, there's a song that we used to sing, and, and we were in Israel a couple of years ago, and so I quote the song, so everybody thought that I, I was doing it as a joke, really seriously, I wasn't trying to, but I, I started quoting this song, it's a song we sing in Hebrew, you ever sing that song? It's, I should, I sang, I've sang it for you before, but it's just a song that we sing in Hebrew, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for the brethren to dwell together. But you should learn this. Reshith Elohim bara. Because of what it means. In the beginning, God created from nothing everything that exists. Now, God created from nothing. It's all over the scripture, like I said. Here, real quick, Psalm 33. Here's Psalm 33. It says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were what? Next verse. Psalm 33, 9, for he spoke, there it is, and it was done, he commanded, and it stood fast. The scriptures are filled with these verses that teach that God created by speaking. It's called, here, here's the theological truth, divine fiat. You've heard that before. 
divine, meaning God, and then fiat. The word fiat is a Latin word that just means let it be or let it be done. So God did this with his speech, divine fiat. He spoke it, he willed it, and it was. He willed it into existence. That's what the scripture is teaching. He spoke it and it became. So this is the historical biblical account of creation. This is an eyewitness account, and God says to you and I that God spoke it all into existence from nothing. Rafshim, Elohim, bara. It's, it's, it's off the scale, awesome. Here's some more verses. Matthew 19, 4, Jesus says, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning, he made them male and female? What did God do? He made them. It's God, God's creation. Colossians 1.16, this is the, ver- the book I think we're going to go to after Ephesians on Sunday morning, Colossians. For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are in- on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. Speaking of Christ, Jesus was involved in creation, and it's everything. Not only the physical laws and plants and animals and people, but angels, thrones and dominions, angels, all of creation. It was all created by God. Romans 1.20, here's another good one. Romans 1.20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made. And then I love this reference, one of my favorite ones, Romans 4. As it's written, Paul says, I have made you a father of many nations in presence of him who believed God, who gives life. This is God. This is Paul who gives life to the dead, and he calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Isn't that great? All these verses are telling you and me, they're echoing again and again that God created everything. He brought it into existence. There's no room for evolution in these verses, none. Evolution says something mutated from something else. That is not creation. It is not. That's evolution. It's, and, and you know what? Evolution is a theory. It's not a fact. And so the scriptures tell us that God created. Evolution says something mutated and became something else. The Bible says God spoke everything into existence, made the elements that were never there before, never existed before, and when God spoke, time, space, universe, all had its beginning. It's a beautiful truth, powerful truth, epic truth. This is awesome. Your Starbucks triple vinte latte is not awesome. (laughs) This is awesome. (laughs) We call too many things awesome, I think, in, in... around us. The plain meaning of Genesis 1, in the beginning that God created, is so, so clear. John 1, 3, notice this verse in the book of John, all things were made through him and without him nothing was made that was made. Again, referring to Jesus Christ. So, <clears throat> number one, my first question I posed tonight, how did God create the world? And the answer was what? Spoke. He spoke. Second question that's answered in this verse How long did it take God to create the universe? How long did it take him to create? Here's where we get into a place that's going to get under your skin here. Okay, again, I'm a pastor. I believe the word of God is true. I've, I've given that supposition here, that truth that I believe. All the verses, every word of it. So here's my approach. You might have a different approach. I'll leave my opinion about your approach there. How long did it take God to create the universe? Here's what the scripture says. Six days. Six days. Now let me show you. Let me show you. Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. You get to flip a page maybe. On the seventh day, seventh day, on the seventh day is what's recorded here. God ended his work which he had done and rested on the seventh day from all the work which he had done. According to the scriptures, all creation that God did began and ended in six days. That's what the scripture teaches. No argument. Again, the scripture is absolutely clear. The scriptures, I'm talking about the scriptures. 
don't wander right now with philosophy or man's views or, so, or some scientific claim. Don't go there. We're looking at the scriptures here, okay? The scriptures are really clear here that creation began again and ended in six days. Now, I want you to go back to verse 5 of chapter 1. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. Day and night, hmm. So the evening and morning were the first day. Now, notice the details that God gives us in the record. Again, this is a historical record, an eyewitness account, and God says this. Write this down, Moses. This is how it happened. And we see it in our Bibles with a verse 5 there in front of it. And he says, day and night, evening and morning, the first day. What is that depicting? Day and night, morning and evening. That is what we call a solar day. Why? Because we just, you know, went around the sun. The sun didn't go around us. We went around the sun. It's a solar day, morning and evening, morning and evening, morning and evening. That's what's happening when we keep doing that. Actually, our planet's spinning, and you understand all that. And so morning and evening, that's a, we call it a solar day. Sun is too big to go around in one day. And we'll talk about that, light years and all those things too. But you, but you understand what I'm saying. Day and night, an ordinary day. Now look at verse 8, at the end of verse 8. So the evening and the morning were the second day. Verse 13, the evening and the morning, again, a reference to that. Evening and morning, third day. Verse 19, evening and morning, fourth day. Verse 23, evening and morning, fifth day. And then if you go down to verse 31 of Genesis 1, then God saw everything that he made, and he, indeed it was very good. There was evening and morning, a sixth day. There really is no other way to just come to the Scriptures and read it word for word and believe that God did nothing less than create the known universe in six evening and morning, six solar days. That's what the Scripture is teaching, six literal days. That's the point. Creation was completed in six days. Amazing, isn't it? Sound a little miraculous to you? Sound like, how could that happen? How could God do that? I mean, do you have that thought in your mind? Of course you do. And the answer is what? Because he's a great, big, powerful God. He's a miraculous God. He is a supernatural God. He is not like you and me. And if you try to think about God being like you, he couldn't create the world in six billion years, let alone six days. Like you? Again, we, we need to look at the Scriptures as it's written here. All of creation, everything completed in six solar, common, ordinary days. And, and here's, here's another truth. The Bible speaks of creation as being done, complete, finished in six days. That's why I took you to Genesis 2, 2. On the seventh day, what does God do? He rested. Rested from what? From all the work he was doing. He was creating for six days. On the seventh day, it was so done, so complete, nothing else needed to it that he rested. Now, did God really need to rest? No. Why did he do that? So that you and I, he would form this pattern in our work week so that you and I could live that same pattern as his design. Six days we work, one day we rest. Six days we work, one day we rest. Wait a minute, I thought we were supposed to work five days and get the weekend off. No, no. <laughs> Scripture says six days you work and one day you rest. I loved reading that because the last couple of weeks I've been working six and seven days. So I thought, thank you, Lord. Scriptural. And then the Lord said, but you need to rest. We all need to rest. And during that rest, we're called to just come to the Lord and thank Him and worship Him and fellowship. And so this might be your seventh day. Some people, they don't have Sunday. They work Sunday. Understand that. It's Wednesday night. This is your resting day. This is the day that you, you give to the Lord. This is the day you're not working. This is the day you come to church and fellowship. That's a, it's a pretty cool thing. The, the Scripture in the New Testament tells us we're not obligated to a day 
But I do believe six days we work, one day we rest, because God established that pattern here in the book of Genesis. So, wonderful truth here. Evolution, on the other hand, evolution, think about it. Evolution hasn't ended. It's not complete. It continues to go. It's, it's not like creation. Creation had a beginning, day one, had an ending, day six, and day seven, there's rest. Evolution, there's no end to it. Think about that. It doesn't end. It's not biblical. It's not Hebrew mind. Might be Greek minded, might be Gentile minded. It's not Greek minded. I mean, it's not uh, Hebrew minded. The Hebrew knew six days, six literal days, and then a day of rest. And so we have the non-biblical thought, evolution, because it's an ongoing process, millions upon millions upon millions upon endless, never-ending, billions upon billions upon. I mean, they never end. When you listen to an evolutionist, an atheist, most often they're atheists. I'd say 99% are atheists, agnostic. They're going to tell you're going to go billions and millions and millions and millions, and they show you a chart. They give you show you this little chart with a little timeline on it, and, and each little line represents millions and millions and millions and millions, and then they put, they put something up there, a picture of something. And my question has always been, and I told my kids this from the beginning, were they there? Did they really see that? And the, question, the answer is obviously not but they purport it like it's true. Yes, millions upon millions upon millions of years. Scripture teaches that creation began when God spoke on day one. He ended on day six. In fact, here's a great verse, Hebrews 4. Again, Scripture is replete with this. Hebrews 4, for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. This is just another proof text that God worked and then he rested on the seventh day. Creation was complete. That's the point I'm making here. It was done. It was done in six days. This is, you can think of it this way, kind of in a, a macro view of the Bible. You have creation, Genesis 1-1 through through Genesis 2-2, and then from Genesis 3 all the way to the end of the Bible, you don't have creation anymore. What you have there is after creation, you have this, uh, I, I lost my place in my notes. I never do that. Where is my place? There it is, conservation, pardon me. So you have creation, and then you have conservation, and this time we're in conservation. God's just keeping things going. He's keeping, he's holding it all together. So he created it, and he keeps it together. And then finally, you have at the end, at the end of Revelation, you have restoration where he makes all things new. So you have creation, conservation, and restoration. I, I love that truth about the scriptures. You think this way. Creation is the past event, conservation the present one, restoration the future event. Creation in the Bible is a past event. It's complete. It's done, finished, nothing you can add to it. God made it each day, and he says it was good. That means it's complete. It was what he wanted it to be. It's not an ongoing event. It's not an evolutionary process that goes on and on with countless transition. That's not what the Scriptures teach. I get all these thoughts because I read so much. When you, when you start reading this much, your mind just goes, starts spinning so I've got to kind of keep my, myself focused here. Scripture says God created everything in six days. Verse 31, look at that one more time. Then God saw everything. Genesis 1.31. That everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. That word very good, mi'od, mi'od in the Hebrew, it means exceedingly or perfectly. In other words, nothing that God had made was inferior Everything was perfect. Everything worked the way God had intended it to work and look. There was no need, listen, no need to refine anything after the sixth day. God didn't look at it and go, you know what? This is just not. The only thing he did do, he said, this is not good about man because he meant man to have a partner. That's the only thing. Everything was good. Everything was complete from the smallest little microbe to the tallest mountain or the biggest star in the universe. Everything. That's what the scripture 
is teaching, and God didn't have to refine through some evolutionary process. And you have to keep that in mind. Please keep that in mind. This is one of the arguments against theistic evolution. There are Christians, well-meaning Christians, that believe, well, no way, Pastor Lee. Uh, it could have been longer. How do you know? It didn't. Well, I'm just, again, historical account, eyewitness account. God said it. And he gives us these solar cycles, evening, morning, evening, morning, evening, morning, day one, day two, day three. It's very clear, isn't it, when you read it? Very important, again, for us to read it and take it the way it's written. Hermeneutical principle, this is like number three. There's all these principles I learned in, in my hermeneutics class right here in this church with Pastor John Miller, by the way. But when I was taking that class from him and then I taught it subsequently, here's the quote that you need to remember. Dan Birch knows all about this. When the plain sense of Scripture makes common sense, seek no other sense. When you approach God's Word, this is how you approach it. You come to God's Word and say, gee, Jesus bled and Jesus died for my sin. So you don't try to add, twist, contort. You just, it's common sense. It doesn't need anything else to add to it. It makes sense. And that's the way I approach this verse. So how do we come up with billions and billions and millions and millions of years stuffed into Genesis? How did people do that? How did they stuff that? They didn't get that from Genesis. When you start talking millions and millions of years, that is not, is it, do you see that anywhere in this chapter? Does anyone see it in there? There is not one person on the planet, as you read this, could you see, do you see millions of years? Now, there's those, well, many Christians, there's the gap theory between verse 1 and verse 2. I've read it. I understand it. This doesn't make sense to me. Here's the reason it doesn't make sense to me. I was going to share this next week, but I think I'll throw it out there right now. It doesn't make sense to me because on day three, you have plant life. On day four, you have sunlight, the sun and the moon. What do plants need to eat? The sun. Photosynthesis. They can't exist in the dark, right? So, okay, you apply your gap theory to day, between day three and day four and all the plants die. Well, you know, God is supernatural. Wait, wait, now you're adding, you're adding, you're throwing. Do you see what I'm saying? You can't do that. I like my way better. You just read it, and one day he makes the plants, the next day he made the sun because they needed the, he, he designed the plant for the sun. He makes the sun. And off they go, growing and flourishing. Love that truth. So you get billions and billions of years outside of the Scripture false scientific theory imposed on the Bible, distorted human philosophies by unbelieving atheists that say this. And so, and then we go, well, I guess that sounds okay. You go to school, you go to school, and you're reading human philosophy more than you're reading the Scripture. And so now you, you accept all this human philosophy, and you come back to the Scripture. Well, I'm a Christian, so, you know, it could be. This would be really cool if, but that's not what it says. Please understand, as I, I'm passionate about this because I, I raised my family on this. I taught my children this from the time they were little. You saw three of them here singing to you tonight. They love the Lord. And the reason that they put their faith in God and not their dad is because their dad told them from a long time ago that Jesus saves and that God is way bigger than dad. And you're going to find out how much a loser dad is as you grow older. And you keep your eyes on Jesus and you grow in him. And as they grew older in teen years, they didn't rebel against dad because they had a God that was greater than dad. And we, took, we, ta we taught them that way. We over and over. I read this book to them. I read Genesis to all my kids. I read the scriptures to them, taught it to, and I taught this because I didn't take any other book. I just read it. Wow, isn't this cool? Daniel, Kevin, Eric, Ashley, Philip. Isn't this cool? Look what God did. And their little eyes just so their little ears soaked it up. Oh, Dad, Dad would never tell me anything false. And I taught them the scriptures, and they grew up that way. I, I'm teaching you the same way. I want you to understand this. I hope you hear my passion. We're running out of time here. So, if you don't believe in six literal days, as it says in Genesis, you're left with evolution, right? That's what you're left with. You either believe he did it, 
or you've got evolution. Or you, or you squeeze that form, it's called theistic evolution. There's not a lot of Christians that believe that. I believe they're not Christians. Not, if you have that view, I'm not putting you down. But I don't believe that the liberal that approaches the Scripture as, as non-authentic and as errant, it's not errant, it's inerrant, that's my belief. But they approach it, oh, it's errant, we don't know if Jesus said it, we're not really sure, you know, some of it we like, and rip, rip, scribble, scribble, and they come down to a few little pages in their Bible, and that's it. I approach the Bible literally, I believe every word of it, and again, I believe God created it. There's no room for evolution in these verses that we're reading. Evolution, the dominant theory of silence, uh, science, silence, I wish it was silent. Science, it's just not true. It's not true. I, I don't believe it's true. Now, I've only got a couple of minutes here, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move ahead. I, I, I have some proofs for that. Let me give you two real quick proofs. I don't believe that God used evolution for two reasons. Number one, the text in Genesis 1, God created, leaves no room for evolution. I've already said that. Number two, evolution, this theory is just not true true. It, it doesn't work. It doesn't work scientifically. And I want to share some of those thoughts about that. Evolution, meaning that plants or animals have existed for billions of years and that during those countless years have mutated into higher forms, better, progressively taller, bigger, better, stronger, survival of the what? Fittest. That's what evolution purports. So evolution says that everything's getting better, growing, getting stronger. That's what it says. But there's no scientific evidence that any matter, listen, at any level can or will organize itself by itself. You, like the box illustration I gave you earlier, take DNA from different animals, put it in a test tube, shake it, put two electrodes in, zap it! Um, Heat it, throw it, zap it, take it, send it to space and bring it back. Do whatever you want. Try to energize it in some way to make something out of it. Do you think you'll get life out of that? Scientists know they're not going to get life out of it too. They know that. They have to start with human cells, just like a baby starts. They, take, they artificially inseminate, artificially, but they still start with those two cells. Otherwise, you can't get life. It doesn't work. It's, it just doesn't work. So science proves that it's impossible. Louis Pasteur, here's a big fat picture of him, kind of weird behind me, but he proved that spontaneous biogenesis will not occur. A cell cannot increase in its complexity. A cell can't add information to its DNA to a higher level. It can't mutate and become more and more and greater and greater. All a cell can do is break down. And Evolution, or Darwin, teaches natural selection, as I've said, which is the law of entropy. Here's my illustration. I brought this. I asked somebody on Facebook if they had one of these. Have you ever seen one of these before? I don't know if it will even work. This is really too small for you guys to see, but this, this is all we could come up with on Facebook. I said, does anybody have one of these, these um, machines? This is one of those. You could kind of look at that for a while, and you can watch it move. Or I can do this. Oh, okay. Now, how long is that going to last? Until it burns my fingers. This is getting slower, isn't it? I'm, I'm just trying to illustrate in, in a very, very juvenile way the law of entropy. The law of entropy says that everything is declining. The law of thermodynamics... That's why I use the match. It says everything's burning out. The sun is burning out. Now, it's going to take a long time to burn out. It's not going to happen in our lifetime or in the next thousand years because it's so large, but it's burning out. The, this machine here that's just perpetual motion machine, and there's different forms of this. You can see them on the Internet. You can put it in space where gravity is working because of gravity, right? But in space where there's no gravity, it won't work like that. It won't do this. It won't work perpetually. You can move something in space because there's no friction, it'll move, but it's going to wear out. It's going to stop sometimes. It's going to hit something. Entropy 
is a scientific truth that everything is burning out, stopping, declining. And here's the truth. Have you ever seen a transitional form, something, evolution, getting better after millions of, thousands of years, anything? But all of us know about death, decline. And if you're over 50 like me, you know all about it. Ain't getting better, getting worse. Entropy, that's the law of science. That's a physical law. God put it into place. Evolution is scientifically impossible. Now, I'm going to get all the, the uh, professors from the local uh, college here. They're going to take this video, and they're going to show it to their students. Bring, hey, professor, bring your student here to church. I want to share Jesus Christ with them <laughs> and prove that he's the Lord of all. That, that's what we need. And once your eyes are truly open, your mind is truly open with the Scriptures, you, you'll really understand the, the chief scientist, that's God. Okay, so there's my quick little illustrations. I have some other things, but I'll just leave them for next week because we're at 8.30. But you get the idea here from the Scripture. We're going to take it literally. We're going to look at it verse by verse. I've given you my little... Um, examples. Hopefully they'll stick a little bit. We're going to look through things. I didn't get to the gap theory, progressive evolutionists or, or more theistic evolutionists, but, but I think you get the idea. All of those views deny the straightforward truth of this text that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. All of them. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the time we had. I, I just pray, Lord, for the believers here that this study would increase their desire to know more about your word, your historical account, your uh, revealed truth, or that you would just fire us up, God, uh, that you would put within us a desire to, to know, to see. And Lord, that you would just help us in our minds as we read your word, that from your word, Lord, we would derive all of the things about life and godliness that you've written within the Bible, that you would increase our desire to know you and love you. And Lord, I believe that the believer that comes to the word honestly and, and just takes your word literally is the one in this room tonight that's going to be in awe and wonder of who you are. They're going to be the people that will worship you even more because your creation is so epic, it's so awesome. So, Lord, thank you for teaching us. Thank you for this body of believers. Lord, I pray that, that you would open their hearts and expand their minds to your truth. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Let's stand together.